Rick, if you wouldn't mind, just put the screen up. We're not going to use the PowerPoint this morning. I, I know you got one back there, and so you're ready for me, and I appreciate that. We're going to change the plan just a little bit. Because I want you to see something hanging behind me that is uh, most important, and we'll talk about quite a bit today. Take your Bibles, First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. and You know, it's, it's awesome how God works this out. You sometimes preach a verse by verse, and precept by precept through the word of God and sometimes right when it's Christmas you don't even have to detour because you got a Christmas message right where you were and we left off last week in verse number 23 we're going to pick up our series today right there in verse number 24 you know this morning uh, all across America really if you in most homes you're going to see one thing in common there's a Christmas tree and and while they're all different you know some of us have real Christmas tree how many of you got a real one all right, they're getting less and less. Aren't they? How many of you got an artificial one? Hey, see, that's more and more. And how many of you got a big one? <laughs> how many of you got a little one? How many of you got a hydger so your cat and your dog don't get it? Amen. And there's more hands and, and so forth. They're all different. Some are small or some, to borrow a, a phrase from our present, are huge or huge or however he says that word. And, uh, uh, but they all have one in com- thing in common. You know what that one thing is this morning? They all have at least one light bulb out. You thought I was going to say something spiritual, didn't you? <laughs> uh, and under most of these trees today, there's a, there's a few gifts already wrapped. Again, they vary in size and they vary in value, and, and, but they, again, normally all have one thing in common as well. They usually have a name tag on them with who that gift is for and who that gift is from. And This morning, I don't want to talk about our Christmas trees at home, but I want to talk about simply this. God's Christmas tree we're going to read about it here in a moment because it was under this Christmas tree that we find the best gifts the ultimate gifts that we need in life it's it's under God's Christmas tree that we find the gift of salvation it's under God's Christmas tree that we find the gift of justification it's under God's Christmas tree that we find what righteousness that gift of righteousness and the gift of forgiveness the gift of grace the gift of mercy and, and under God's Christmas tree are available to all are the greatest gifts ever course that christmas tree we're talking about is right there it's called the cross the cross this morning god's greatest gift wasn't placed under a tree god's greatest gift was placed on a tree and this morning i want to read about that first peter chapter number two and look with me at verse 24 the bible tells us there who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed for you were a sheep going astray but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls this morning together i want to examine god's christmas tree father i pray that you'd help us for the next few moments lord as we expound and Lord, explain these, these two simple, but Lord, all powerful verses. Lord, help us understand the significance of the greatest gift we'll ever receive this Christmas. The gift of your Son and salvation through Him. Lord, bless now as we, we start to expose and, and start to unpackage, Lord, these wonderful truths and these two power-packed verses. May we leave here not only with a greater understanding of what you did, but a much higher appreciation for it. 
And Lord, may we leave here remembering the greatest gift ever this Christmas season, the gift of your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. As I was writing this down last week, we, uh, we, we went through the other verses and we learned that Jesus was our example. In fact, all through the verses, just a few verses up in verse 22, we, we learned that he was sinless, who did no sin. And we learned that there was no guile in his mouth. That word guile means deceit. And that some of the truths we learned as his example, we're supposed to follow his steps. We're, we're simply like there was no deceit in his mouth. There shouldn't be any in ours. Amen. And see, we learned the simple truth of this. Honesty is not only, uh, not only the best policy, it's the only policy as a Christian. And then, then we went on and we learned that when, when, he, when he was reviled, when he was beaten, and spit upon and and when he was falsely accused and called every name in the book he he reviled not again he he learned the lesson and he showed us by example the lesson of what to do when people come against us what to do when when folks uh, falsely accuse you what to do when people basically this is put it in common english run their mouth about you and spit on you and call you every name under the book he said he reviled not he said, that's what god told us to do leave it alone in fact, he gave it and committed it unto the, the father of righteous judgment, the Bible said. And, and that's exactly what Jesus did. That's probably one of the hardest ones to follow. But, but let me tell you this morning, he didn't just come to be our example in life. He came to be our substitute in death. And as we start to read this morning, we see in verse 24, what he called was this, uh, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree. I wrote this down. If you're going to take notes, it's not going to be up there today, but I'll, uh, this God's gift Christmas tree that we're talking about today, the first thing I wrote down was it is a tree of sin bearing, a tree of sin bearing. Again, he says, who in his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree. On that cross at Calvary, it's, that's God's Christmas tree. On that one, Jesus personally, himself, bear our sins on his body on that tree. That word bear literally means to take on, to take upon, to take up. And listen this morning, Jesus didn't just take our sins away, he took them on himself. Isn't that powerful this morning? He literally bare them. He literally bore them. He literally took them upon his own body on that tree. The same Jesus who did no sin. The same Jesus who reviled not when he was reviled. The same Jesus who committed himself to, to God the Father's righteous judgment. That same Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us, Paul said. All of my transgressions, think about it. All of my failures, all of your transgressions, all of your failures. Listen, all of our shortcomings was placed on him. He became them on that cross for us. He bare them on that tree. That sin, you think about that word sin, and it's, it's a lot of theological definitions for it. And Many of those are very good, you know, transgressing the law of God. And, and we can say all those big words if we want to. How about this? I like sin. I like how we explain it to little kids. I think that's the best way to think about the definition of sin. Sin is this. It's anything I think, anything I say, or anything I do that displeases God. And here we all have a problem. See, every one of us are born sinners. And all of us sin and have sinned beyond that and have come short of the glory of God. But I'm trying to tell you today that the greatest gift ever was given, in, it was given on God's Christmas tree. And it was the, the tree of sin bearing. He bore our sins on that tree. He became, think about this, every one of my inappropriate thoughts. Hmm. Think about this. He became every one of my inappropriate things I said have said or will say are you too 
He became my every one of my sinful actions, my inappropriate actions, my in, inappropriate thoughts, my inappropriate things I've said. He bore them on His body on that tree. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The worst thing I've ever thought. The worst thing I've ever said. The worst thing I've ever done or ever will do. Guess what? He became it. What a great God He is. God's greatest gift. God's Christmas tree. It was a sin of sin bearing. But I wrote this down as well. Notice this. It was not only a sin of sin bearing. I wrote down it was a, or a tree of sin bearing. It was a tree of righteousness sharing. Look with me, verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. Should live unto righteousness. Jesus bore, became our sins on God's Christmas tree so that we, listen, we could spend the rest of our lives living in His righteousness. What a great gift. I like how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He said, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now He commands us here in Peter. He tells us, Now that you've been made positionally righteous, listen, He says, Now you ought to live righteous on top of that now we he goes on to say should live unto righteousness and that's what our goal and our duty is after we got saved that word righteousness is an interesting word it's the same word we get the word justification from big old theological word and here's what that word means when you think about justification it means not only he took our sin but he gave us his righteousness and now in the eyes of a holy god it is just as if we have never sinned isn't that wonderful that is God's greatest gift. And Listen, I am justified. I am positionally righteous, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did when he bore my sins on that tree. And so are you if you've trusted in him. If you put your full weight and trust in the gospel message that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again, and thank God that's, that's who I am when God sees me. But the real question is, Peter challenges us that we should live under righteousness. Who are you when everybody else sees you? He's not asking, are you saved and, and positionally righteous in the eyes of God? How are you practically in your life? When they see you, when they hear you talk, when they, when, when they, 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 if they could read your mind, know your thoughts, what do they see? And he challenges us today because we've been positionally made justified just as if we've never sinned, just because we've been positionally made righteous in the sight of holy God that we should also live unto righteousness. That tree of sin bearing, that tree of righteousness sharing. Then I wrote this one down, verse 24. Also, it was a tree of body tearing. A tree of body tearing. What do I mean by that? Again, the Bible says, who in his own self bear our sins and his body on the tree that we being dead to sin should, see, he gives us a choice, live unto righteousness. But then he says this, by whose stripes ye were healed. By whose stripes ye were healed. Now take your, hold your spot there in your Bible because I want to compare a couple spots so you can get back quickly to, to our verse here. But turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Because that's what he's really quoting here uh, in, in some form or fashion. Isaiah chapter 53. And as we turn there, I want to show you a couple things from that wonderful, powerful package uh, passage there in Isaiah chapter 53 that Peter is making reference to under the inspiration of God here. And it's an interesting word as you're turning there in, in the verse 24. He says, by whose stripes you're healed. That, that word stripe 
you study that out and you're going to find out it's a little different. In our Bible, it says stripes. Now, I don't know where you went to school, but I know where I went. And, and when you add an S to the end of something, it makes it what? Plural. Y'all are good. Hey, man. <laughs> Is that true still, brother? Liberty? All right, I just want to make sure. <laughs> Guess what? If you look this up in the original language, it is singular. Isn't that interesting? I think there's a thought to that. So the reason behind that is the idea of stripe. That Lord stripes literally means a blow mark, a wound that trickles blood. And it suggests here that his wounds were so severe that his body was like one big, massive, singular welt. Wow. God's greatest gift on that Christmas tree, the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in Isaiah 52, we're going to 53, but the Bible says his visage, and that means his appearance is the little word, what it means, was so marred that he didn't even look like a man. He was so severely beaten, you, could, you couldn't even tell whether he was human or not. And, and the psalmist said this in Psalm 22 and verse 14. He said it's about Jesus. And Jesus said, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. In verse 17, he said, I look and I stare at my own bones. That's how beaten he was. And so when you read that word stripes, don't think about it as just the individual stripes. It was one big marring. His body was a mass of mutilated flesh. Tore for us. That tree of body tearing. But then we go on a little bit further and, and he tells us by his stripes we are healed. He was broken. He was bloodied. He was beaten. He was bruised. And by that we're healed. Now he's referring to, to, to spiritual healing and the forgiveness of sin. We'll see that in just a moment. But as you get to Isaiah 53, I want you to read with me and catch one little thing I don't want you to miss here. It's hard to go with Isaiah 53 and not read it all. We're going to really tune in to verse 5 and 6. But before we get there, let's read verse 3 just to be reminded of that great gift that he gave us. He is despised and rejected of man in verse 3. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And, and we hid as if our faces from him. And he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, what's that next word? We are healed. Now hold your spot there for just a moment because we're going to come back and forth. But look back at 1 Peter chapter 2. Now I want you to see something pretty powerful here. That we... In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 becomes a ye in 1 Peter 2.24. Look with me. He said, by whose stripes, what's that next word in verse 24? Ye were healed. Individual. See, in Isaiah 53 was talking about national salvation that was going to come to the nation of the Jews. He gets here and, and Peter's not misquoting it. There's no problem in the translation. God inspired him. He said, listen, you remind them I'm not only their Savior, I not only came to save them from their sin, I wasn't only bruised for their iniquities, but I was bruised for yours and mine. Ye, individually. Wow. See, the salvation Jesus brings isn't just national. It is personal, individual, because he took your place on God's Christmas tree. 
on the cross. He died for you. He was buried for you. He rose again for you. It's not enough just to ascertain and understand the facts that he did it. You need to understand he did it for you. Personally. It's called the gospel. Paul put it this way about that powerful gospel message. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, he said, I declare unto you the gospel. In verse number 2, he told us, by which you are saved. So there's a message that's so powerful that it will save our soul if we believe it. What is that message? In verse 3 and 4, he tells us what it is. How that Christ came and died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And friends, if you believe that he died for you, not just nationally, but individually, they was buried for you and that he rose again for you. And if, if then you confess that with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that's the gospel message. The only authority in my Bible, it says, Thou, that's you, shalt be healed, or thou shalt be saved, which also means healed in the context. Amen. For with, a man, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The we became ye. And whosoever now we can say, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice one other thing, though. Again, the, by his stripes, that's a little different in verse 24. Ye were healed. Back in Isaiah, it says that you are healed. Here it says you were healed. And the idea is, y'all tell me what that means since y'all are so good at English. <laughs> that means it is past tense. Isn't that wonderful? The day you trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, it was done past tense. He's talking again about spiritual healing. Why do I know this? And i got to throw this nugget out because there's all kinds of folks out there quoting this verse, claiming the Lord's going to remove uh, all this stuff, all these physical infirmities. It, let me just tell you how I know he's talking about spiritual. How many of you have still got some sickness in your body? How many of you got some sickness in your body, but you're saved by the grace of God? <laughs> that pretty well sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> He's talking about spiritual healing. The forgiveness of sin. That's what he did. And he says you were healed. That day you repented. That day you changed your mind and put your trust in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Hey, I got healed spiritually, and I am healed forever. Isn't that wonderful? I am the good graces of God, and nothing can get me out. <laughs> My sins were cast as far as the east is from the west, as deep as the depths of the ocean. And, and, and as one preacher says, I like it, so I'm going to use it. He says, and God put up a no fishing sign. <laughs> Somebody say amen. We like to fish them back up, but God doesn't. He says, I choose to remember them no more. What a God we have. Somebody ought to say, wow, Merry Christmas to me. Hallelujah. Amen. The tree. Listen, it was a tree of sin bearing. It was a tree of, uh, of, of what was my other verses? I don't have, I even have my outline out. Y'all help me. <laughs> it was a, a tree of sin bearing. It was, a, it was a tree there of, as he continued on, of, of righteousness sharing. And it was a tree of stripe wearing. But don't miss this one. It was also a tree of passionate caring. Look with me in verse 25. A tree of passionate caring. He said, for you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd, capital S, don't miss that, and bishop, capital B, don't miss that, of your souls. 
See, you were like sheep going astray. Again, he's quoting Isaiah 53. If you still got your spot there, you can look at it in verse 6. He said, Ah, oh, we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Over and over, it's amazing. The Bible compares us to sheep. <laughs> I was talking about that one time on a, one of the smaller services. Like, well, it might have been a Wednesday night. It might have been the first church. I don't remember where. where but, but I remember someone spoke up and said, I, I don't like being called sheep. You know, a sheep's the dumbest animal on earth. Hello. <laughs> Here's your sign right here. <laughs> Just like sheep go astray, can I tell you? So do we. Hmm. We were astray before we were saved and put our trust in Jesus Christ alone, saved by the grace of God. But sometimes even after we're saved, we go astray, don't we? And God is calling you, if that's you this morning, if you've never been saved by the grace of God, He's calling you first to come become His sheep and let Him be your shepherd. And your Savior. But he's also calling those that have already experienced salvation through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that have already repented and believed the gospel. He's calling you that have gone astray to return to the shepherd and the bishop of your soul. Again, notice the capital S. He's, he's talking here again about Jesus Christ. It, the word shepherd here comes from the exact same word that we get the word shepherd or under shepherd or pastor from. It, it's the same word. It's, it's the idea of one who, who guides you along. It's a, and the word bishop here, again, it's the same word, episkopos. It's a, the same idea, the same word that we get the role that the pastor does in the church as the overseer, and that's what that word means. As a bishop, uh, the pastor's the overseer of the local church. And as a shepherd, he, he guides you along and, and he tries to keep you away from false doctrine. He tries to keep you away from things that would hurt you. Sometimes that even includes yourself because usually we bring about our own problems on ourselves, don't we? And again, it's the pastor's duty to care and guide you and oversee and keep you from harm because there are wolves out there. There are those out there that want to attack you. And again, most harm is from us. But there are times when the under-shepherd can't do it all. There's times when, when you won't listen to the under-shepherd and the under-shepherd just turns and he says, Listen, Lord, let me just give him to you, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the, 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 the my shepherd. Let me just turn him over to you and let you draw him back into yourself. You study out that shepherd, it's, it's interesting here. He's talking about the return unto the shepherd, the capital S, Jesus Christ, and the bishop of your soul return unto the, to him, he's saying. And you think about that shepherd and you study it out. If you've ever done that, it's interesting. They carried, they say, thy rod and thy staff, right? The, the staff is kind of the round part. And, and that shepherd, would uh, you study the history of it, as a sheep would start to go astray, he would, he would kind of hook them and, Gently pull them back and try to get them back on the right track with care and passionately just caring for them. Gently try to ease them back. But sometimes they would, they would be like we get sometimes and they want to go their own way and do their own thing. And no matter how gentle, the shepherd would kind of try to get them back on track that, that they just wouldn't listen and they'd get off all by themselves. And listen, when you get off all by yourself, you're in a bad place. 
If you're in a place where you're vulnerable for attack, you're in a place where you've left the safety of the flock, you've left the safety of the, of the, of the guidance of the shepherd and the overseer, and they would be alone, and they were, they were very vulnerable for attack. And that, that shepherd then would take that staff, and, and then he would turn it around, and, and it became the rod. And if you study out, many times he'd go and he'd break the hind leg of that sheep. And he'd take that sheep and he'd put it on his shoulders. And he'd carry it back into the flock. And he'd tend to that sheep while that leg healed and kept him there in the flock. And I know it seems like a, a maybe a harsh thing, a gruesome thing to do, but let me tell you what he was doing. He was saving that sheep's life. He was returning them to safety. Sometimes we get so far away from God like sheep we wander astray. God has to break us. But it shouldn't have to be that way. If we would just listen to His call right now today and just willfully repent and return ourselves unto the shepherd and the bishop, not of the church, be the capitals of our souls, of our very essence and being. The psalmist said it this way, Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. You ever think that, how does it get comforted when I get cut out? Because huh. he kept you from impending doom. Restored you unto the sheepfold. But here's the greatest part. We don't have to let it get that far. We can, we can obey Scripture and come on back right now to that passionate, caring shepherd. Can I remind you, using that illustration of the shepherd, over and over, the Bible calls Jesus about us, about him being that shepherd. He calls him the good shepherd in John 10 and verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Over in the Hebrews 13 and verse 12, he goes from the good shepherd, and he, starts to be, he becomes the great shepherd. The Bible says, now the grace of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. He's not only the good shepherd, he's the great shepherd. Can I tell you, he's returning one more time soon. First Peter 5, 4, we'll get there in a couple years, amen. <laughs> he's coming back, not as just the good shepherd, not as the great shepherd. He's coming back as the chief shepherd. He said, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. See, the real question isn't, is he the good shepherd, great shepherd, chief shepherd? The Bible makes that clear. The real question is this, is he your shepherd? You remember what David said? One of the most famous psalms ever written. Psalm 23. The Lord is, what's that next word? My shepherd. I shall not want. My shepherd. He's a personal shepherd. So the question then simply is this today. As we think about God's Christmas tree, and we think about all that the Lord Jesus did for us on God's Christmas tree, the, the tree of sin bearing, the tree of righteousness sharing, the tree of His body tearing, the, the tree of passionate caring, the shepherd and bishop of our soul. Have you ever received the gift that was on that tree? The Lord Jesus Christ. Is he not only your shepherd, but is he your savior? Then the second question is just simply this. If you have, have you wandered astray?
is the call for you today to return unto the shepherd and the bishop of your soul for you? Don't make him break you. Willingly come back today. Father, we thank you for your Christmas tree and the gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ that hung on it. Lord, we thank you for that, that gift that bore and bare our sins on his body on the tree. The gift, Lord, of sin bearing. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of righteousness sharing because, Lord, none of us have any righteousness in ourselves. But Lord, thank you for giving us yours when we trust you as our Savior. Lord, we thank you, as odd as it even seems in a Christmas message, but we thank you for your body tearing. Lord, because it, it's that very thing, the shedding of your blood that allowed remission of our sins. And Lord, we thank you that through it all, and the reason you did it all, was because of your passionate caring. When we think of that Christmas tree, may we always think of the great shepherd and bishop of our souls. Lord, there's some in this room, no doubt, that have been saved, but have wandered astray like sheep, that need to return today to the shepherd and bishop of their souls. Lord, there's others today in this room, no doubt, that have never truly been saved by the grace of God. They can't call you shepherd because they can't yet call you savior. But Lord, they can change all that this very moment. As we have our invitation, Lord, now I pray that you have your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd stand with heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room. When I ask a question first, simply this. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that this, this birth we celebrate in this season, the birth of our Savior, if you've never confessed with your mouth and while you believed in your heart that that baby came for one reason, that was to seek and save that which is lost, to die for your sin and my sin, if you've never put, turned and put your trust in Him, and Him alone, not in church membership, not in baptism, not, not in good, doing good works, but in His finished work on Calvary's cross and His resurrection from the grave, then I invite you this morning to get your eternity settled. Make Him not only your shepherd this morning, my shepherd. Make Him your Savior. You say, I'm not sure how, preacher. Well, the Bible makes it abundantly clear how. It tells us that if thou, that you, shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That means agree, say the same thing that God says. That's what that word confess means. Say the same thing he says about our sin, that we are sinners separated from a holy God. Say the same thing he about, says about his son, the Savior. That he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. If thou shalt confess that Jesus is Lord. And believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. There's your gospel message. His death, burial, and resurrection. And that he did it for you. Thou shalt be saved. If that's you this morning, and you're not sure that heaven's your home, I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you right now. Get that settled. Receive the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever receive. Salvation through the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You could do that right now, right while you stand. It's not the words of the prayer, and it's not saying a prayer that's going to save your soul, although confession of the mouth is necessary. It's the belief in the heart. Turn today. Put your trust in Him. Pray something like this from your heart, right where you stand, and He'll save your soul today. Father God, I confess to you today that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sin. And I believe He was buried and rose again the third day for my sin. And I'm confessing you now today, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. And as my shepherd. Thank you for saving my soul. And giving me the greatest Christmas present ever. In Jesus name I pray. With no one looking around. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're not calling you out. We're not embarrassing you. We don't do that here. But if today you got that settled. I do want to pray for you. You just say, preacher, would you pray for me? I just asked the Lord to save me. I prayed that from the heart, and I believe that in my heart today. I know you're not going to call me out and embarrass me, but I sure would like you to pray for me. Anybody like that in the room? Just slip your hand up right now. I asked him to save me. Thank you, sir. Anyone else like that today? I got my eternity saved. I received the greatest Christmas present ever. Anybody else like that today? Father, you know every heart and the hands mean little, Lord, if the heart wasn't in it. But, Lord, if the heart was in it, Lord, my friend has just acknowledged that he's accepted you as his Lord and Savior. Lord, today on the authority of scriptures, if he meant that, he has received the greatest gift ever. The gift of forgiveness of all his sin. The gift of, Lord, eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift that will never be taken back. And we thank you for that today. We thank you for being a God that still saves sinners. Lord, that's why you came. Thank you now that, Lord, there's, there's some in this room that can call you not only Savior, but can now call you their shepherd, my shepherd. Father, we just thank you for being a God that still loves us, that still works amongst us, that still wants to see souls saved. Father, I pray for this. These that have made decisions today that you just bless them. Lord, you'd help them to find a good Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church. And we're kind of partial to this one. but Lord, where they can grow and be discipled in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where they would make public, Lord, soon, this private decision they made today by being scripturally baptized. And Lord, that you would bless them. Thank you again for drawing men unto yourself. But Lord, now also ask you for Christians in the room. Many in this room, maybe several, maybe many, I don't know, 
Lord, that have like sheep wandered astray. They've left you. They've left the shepherd and bishop of their soul. They didn't lose their salvation, Lord. They just wandered off to themselves. And you're calling them back today. You're calling them to return unto you. The great capital S shepherd. The great capital B bishop of their soul. I just wonder if there would be maybe a few in here today that would just be honest and say, I've wandered astray. I've wandered astray. It's time for me to come back. Anybody like that in the room? You'll just be honest this morning on Christmas Eve. I see several hands all over the room. I've wandered astray. It's time for me to come back. Listen, this altar is going to be open. I invite you to come to it. You don't have to. You can do business there in your, in your seats. But I, I think there's something, I really do, about the purpose and the humility behind your action when you do come. You just mind the Lord on it. But as we sing a song of invitation, I invite you in your seat, at this altar, wherever the Lord leads you, to today, as we think about Christmas, return to the great capital S shepherd and the great capital B bishop of your soul. Return to him. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar filled and found Oh, we like sheep have gone astray and wandered our own way. That's our biggest problem in life. It's my biggest problem in life. My own way. Those three words. God, help us to be about your way, not our way. Help us, Lord, to quit wandering. Wandering from the, the one that cares the most for us. The one that wants to oversee our life. That great shepherd. That great bishop of our soul. Thank you this morning for your Christmas tree. The tree of sin bearing. The tree of righteousness sharing. The tree of bodies sharing. Oh, and that tree of compassionate care. Thank you for We can say that you're my shepherd. Star my Savior, my Bishop, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Frankincense to offer have I, incense it's lonely out there alone when you wander astray he's guiding you gently back oh I implore you as your small shepherd as your small bishop don't make him break you come back willingly westward How many of you are thankful for that old tree?
tithes a perfect Christmas tree. Let's celebrate him today, tomorrow, this season. I pray that you'd have a great time with your family, uh, your great time with your friends, whatever the Lord has in store for you over the next couple of days. And when we thank and celebrate his birth, don't forget the tree and the reason he came. God's Christmas tree. I'm going to ask my friend Dwight Spence if he closes in prayer this morning.